Friends beyond the binary, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and my patron peeps. What up, my patron peeps? Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake, whether it's thoughts that you're thinking about, like uh, things on your mind, you know, thinking things uh, about the past, the present, the future. So thoughts, feelings, anything coming up for you emotionally that you're feeling... It could be physical sensations that that are impacting your sleep. It changes in time or temperature, routine, whatever it is that's keeping you awake. What I'm going to do here is I'm going to try to create a safe place. I'm going to smooth it. I'm going to pat it. I'm going to rub it down. And then I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, Creaky dulcet tones. Oh, so creaky are my dulcet tones. Uh, they're, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're an acquired taste, uh, but uh, they're easy to easy not to listen to. I also have pointless meanders, superfluous tangents, which means I'm going to go off topic. I'm going to get mixed up. I'm going to go back, and then I'm going to forget what I went back for. And then I'll say, wait a second, wait a, what, what, what did I? Then I'll go on a tangent about uh, the word W. And that'll all be to, to, to take your mind off stuff and keep you company so you could fall asleep. So if you're new, I'm, I'm so glad you're here. But I re- really want to uh, like welcome you in and give you all the information you need. So believe it or not, this is an intro, but it's kind of part of the podcast, and that can throw people off. Uh, it's one of the many things. So I want to here, – here's something. I, if I talked about stumbling blocks before, because talk about a, uh, a loaded word that should be – like that should be more loaded. Like people just throw around stum- stumbling blocks. Uh, I mean, imagine if they did. And it's it feels like too broad a generalization for me because I've stumbled on many blocks. Believe me, stumbling blocks, my, stumbling's my name. Stumbling's my game. Stumbling on blocks is just one part of the game that I'm that it's. But I'm not playing when I stumble on blocks. Because here, here's the thing: there's stumbling. There's, so there's a there's a traditional. Here's a, two two types of stump blocks you could stumble on. Uh, there's uh, there's uh, the small children's blocks, right? Uh, that that uh, what are they? Are those called alphabet blocks? I don't know. The the wooden blocks you get kids used to. The kids still get them. Uh, toy. I, I don't know why they call them toy blocks, uh, but I think that's what they're called. And then the other kind of block I was thinking of is any kind of block that's long enough to bang your shin. And at first you'd say, which block do I, not that I should be loathing blocks, but which block do I loathe stumbling over? And I'd say, well, can you stumble over a block that you hit your shin? And I say, is that a dare? Because I can guarantee you I shall and I have and I will. I mean, you can definitely stumble on the little blocks, but also you could step on them, which is not pleasant either. But, I mean, I, you could stumble over her. Oh, but it's, it's just a term. But but here's the thing. I'd prefer, how about tumbling blocks, blocks you tumble with? That's what I'd like to take your stumbling blocks and make them into tumbling blocks. And you'd say, scoots, and I'd say, come on down to tumbling blocks, much like our other imaginary businesses, uh, the ovularity zone. Uh, tube Town and other businesses that for you know Velcro zipper shop uh, for f- Velcro and zippers for fun. 
Oh, making mud pies. All the businesses have st- haven't started. What was this business? Oh, tumbling blocks. It's a tumble. It's a place where you can tumble. Much like uh, it doesn't have those bouncy. It's a bit like a bouncy castle without the castle. It's a metaphor, much like this podcast. It's a metaphor that uh, you ro- you got to roll with. Okay, so let me get back. If you're new, this podcast is not for everybody. I think I just did an example of, like, why. But uh, this is a podcast you got to give a few tries to. That's what most listeners say. So if you're skeptical or you're doubtful, oh, it's going to give you more information. There's some, there's, these are some of the tumbling blocks that could get in your way, like skepticism or doubt that this is going to put you to sleep. That's very valid. I mean, I've tried so many things to put me to sleep. So all I can say is give it a few tries uh, or about the style or the nature of my bare attempts at humor. This is also a podcast you don't really listen to. So that takes some getting used to. Just like you say, wait a second, we just come down and we tumble with blocks. What happens after that? I say, well, then you could go to Tube Town. What's that Tube Town? Inner tubes that you inflate or deflate or roll or roll with, uh, or, you know, we may have a floating pool one day. So, yeah, the, 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 but, yeah, that's all we do. The, so it's a, point, it's a bit like a pointless meander, we run, rolling with tumbling, tumbling blocks. You tumble with them in a, tum, a tumble, tumble-friendly area. Have your tumbles here. That's what I'd say. Come down to Tumbletown where your t- the tumbles are free. Cost money to get in. But the tumbles are free. Second tumble, same you know, same as the first. I don't know. Oh, what was my point? So, oh, it's a podcast you don't really listen to. You just barely pay attention. A bit like background noise that's just slightly more engaging. This is also a podcast you don't really put you to sleep. It's more here while you fall asleep. So you just kind of barely pay attention and then... uh that's why the shows are over an hour, is they have plenty of time to drift off. You say, okay, I can fall asleep at any time, anytime I want. You just, uh, ideally, you're listening to me one moment, and then you wake up the, the next. But I'll be here, whether you wake up in the middle of the night or you're listening all night because you got something else going on or you can't sleep, I'm here to keep you company. So that's... Uh, uh, those are other tumbling blocks. Uh, the other things you can throw people off is the structure of the show. Show starts off with a greeting. Friends beyond the binary, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Just like the greeter at Tumbletown to say, hey, come on in. Uh, first tumble's free because t- it's outside. But before you came in, that was your first tumble. Also a tumble-friendly area. It looked like a walkway. It was really a f- friendly tumble zone. Uh, then, uh, oh, what was he saying? Oh, the structure show. So that's the greeting. Then there's, uh, support for listeners. Then there's uh, support from listeners to keep the podcast free for everybody. And then somewhere around six or eight minutes in the show, the intro starts, which we're now about 10 minutes into. And the intro is a show within a show to give to ease you into bedtime. It introduces you to the podcast and it gives you some distance from the day. Helps you start to unwind. Uh, and some listeners fall asleep during it, but a lot of listeners are doing something else as part of their bedtime routine. So that's the intro. Then there's business between the intro and the show. That's just how podcast business structure works. That keeps the show free for anybody. You know, like, no, that's like, a, yeah. Then there's a story. Tonight it'll be something new. We're going to try visiting... A theme park ride that's not open, like an overview of it. So that like called World of Motion. So we'll talk about that. We'll run through what it was like and stuff like that. And then there's some thank yous at the end of the show. So that's the structure of the show. The other things to know that are important are, well, uh, that uh, you deserve a good night's sleep. I make the show. Because you deserve something to put you to sleep, whether it's sleep with me or you give a few tries, it's not for you. Go to sleepwithme.com slash no thank you. You could see other great sleep stuff out there. But also, 
I've been there, so I know how it feels. If I can give you something that'll help make your bedtime less stressful and take your mind off stuff, that's really my honor, right? Like, I get to do that and help you out, get some rest when I've been there. That's amazing for me uh, to have that opportunity to help you because I know what it feels like. I don't want you to have to go through that rigmarole. So that's why I make the show, and that's why I say give it a few tries, see how it goes. I really hope it can work for you. I really work hard. I yearn and I strive. I appreciate you coming by, and I really want to help you fall asleep. Here's a couple of ways I'm able to be here for you uh, twice a week for free. Thanks. All right, buddy, this is Scoots here. This is something we've never done before, and I've kind of been procrastinating on it because— um, um, because it, like I wanted to put too, too much work into it and, and I did put a lot of work into it, but I also was like, okay, let's see, like, let's, let's slow, you got to cool it down. You know, Scoots, you got to slow it down. You know, watch out. You got to, uh, do this in a sustainable way. And I'm pretty sure up until now we've only done... I'm pretty sure we've only done theme park uh, content with Ray. I mean, me, or I guess uh, like fictional theme park content. And so I wanted to experiment with like an attraction at Disney World that doesn't exist anymore. And I thought that might be fun to do. Uh, but it, like, uh, so we'll see how this goes. First, I'll talk. We'll, we'll take you through an attraction that doesn't exist anymore. And at first I'll talk about why, and then I'll take you through the ride, uh, and we'll just see how it goes. How does that sound to everybody, really meandering and sleepy? And this may be something in the future I could, like, work with. I'm going to have to reach out to somebody that has a Disney, maybe Disney podcast or Disney history podcast or something. But uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. So let's see. So this, is, so the name of this attraction is called the World of Motion. I don't have any history about it, uh, but um, so like, but there's a great Martin's vid. I don't know if anybody watches those, like uh, Ultimate Tribute video that has a lot about the history of it. Uh, but this is like more about my personal history with it, and then a journey into the ride. And it was a pavilion in Epcot's Future World. Currently, it's called Test Track. Uh, and this is an interesting place of uh, discussion about theme park rides, particularly Walt Disney theme park rides and change and nostalgia and budgets and all of that. Oh, another podcast I should check out is Did... Um, Podcasts a ride, do an episode about this. I didn't go all the way back into their archives to check. But so this ride, okay, so it's called World of Motion. And it was by GM. And as you can imagine, it was kind of a tribute to the automobile and driving on highways and stuff. Uh, though inside the pavilion, we're just going to talk about the ride or the, yeah, the World of Motion uh, whatever it's world of motion within the world of motion. Because there was like an Omnimover ride called World of Motion, but then there's the Pavilion World of Motion, and that had like an alter, some alternative stuff that I would normally rush by in a hurry to try to go on the ride again. And it was a big building shaped like a wheel. It was not super impressive even when, so the first time I went on it was the first time I went to Epcot Center, which I don't really remember. Like, I don't remember going on it this time. Maybe I kind of do with uh, my teacher and two of my classmates from my high school. So that would have been when I was after my freshman year. And then later my family, we would go. So this was 19... Let's see, I think it was February 1990 when we, my family went. Uh, and I'm not sure if it was this trip either. So I may be getting, you know, I may be getting my facts mixed up. Uh, but I don't, so I don't know when this ride closed either. But uh, somewhere <laughs> could have been, Scoots, that was the ride. Like that would be wild. They'd say the ride was closed in 1988 before you ever went to the theme park. And I'd say, holy moly, that's interesting. Okay, so so talking about the building. So the building was shaped like a big wheel. 
and it was uh, clad in stainless steel. And so you could see it from far away. Oh, but it wasn't as grand as uh, like like it was it was easy it was memorable. But like I remember from going there as a kid. And coming from Syracuse, New York, just like the uh, Imagination Pavilion and the Land Pavilion and the Spaceship Earth. Like those buildings just being like, I don't never seen architecture like that. And again, this is like, you know, this is like a lot of people's experience. I realize there's people with more knowledge and more exposed to more things, but I hadn't been exposed to this kind of stuff before. Like, you want to see a cool building with metal on it, go to the De Young Museum in San Francisco. Now, that's cool. But um, anyway, I'm not trying to criticize. Well, I guess I am, like, offering some criticism uh, because it was just... Uh, now, the good thing was the Florida Sun. I mean, I can remember looking at this building and seeing it and saying, okay, well, there it is. It's easy to see. And it's, it was really big. Okay, so that's what I... Like, so that's the building in the time frame, why are we talking about this? And the, the, this, uh, two, the biggest reason we're talking about this is just one of those things that's really unrelated to the ride. It was just this one moment in time that to me felt like a combination of magical and sad, I guess, looking back on it, mostly magical, uh, but a little bit sad. So, Okay, and then I'll also talk about how does this fit in the kind of like uh, with theme parks and stuff like that. So, the World of Motion was supposed to be this like uh, promotion of uh, GM, or promote like uh, educate slightly educational about the history of of uh, trans wheeled transport or transport in general, the World of Motion, and entertaining. At the same time, right? Now, the pavilion had other things. And, and again, when I th- think about it, the, they had like three or four different things. Like, they say, well, maybe these people that like like talk about Disney a lot have a point of like, oh, this park is past its prime. Now, one thing I was struck by watching the tribute video was that how many people like had to have worked on this ride and that probably that priorities have changed with companies, like whether it's the company sponsoring the attraction or the company that runs the theme park saying, well, that's too much labor. Like, I can, I'm just trying to put myself, uh, not empathetically, but like, be like, oh, why have things changed? And they say, well, that's a lot of labor. And I think, I don't think labor costs, I mean, without inflation were any different back then than they are now. Maybe they are, but, uh, but just a company's priorities in their, their, uh, shareholder needs and all that stuff has changed, I I believe. I guess, and that's more of like a, an AS, you know, I'm making a rear out of me. Uh, but so it was an attraction mostly made up of animatronics and, and set pieces. And so in the 1990s, like, the, or 89, when did I say? Oh, yeah, 1990 maybe or 1991? 89, 90, 1991, February 1991. That's when I'm guessing this happened. So for someone from Syracuse in February 1991 to go on an Omnimover attraction, which is just one of the ones where you sit in a car and it's really just one big train of cars and they move at a slow pace and the cars turn towards the set pieces and it's very a lulling pace, just like this podcast. But to see animatronics is absolutely amazing. Like, uh, and I think that's one thing that drives some of this, like, displeasure, like, like, like or resistance to change at Disney from fans, I'm not saying with Disney, is, like, that first experience for those people of those generations of seeing that, it really was a pinnacle experience because of just, like, nostalgia and moment in time and being exposed to something new to see animatronics and they say, you know, and this is again, just a made up, they say, but like, they say, well, that's not a popular attraction anymore. What like number of people are ride it's down. We got to make something more exciting. And they did make something more exciting in test track, which is one of my favorite rides just for the outdoor portion where you go fast. It is like one of the best to 10 seconds in all of the Disney parks. 
And it could, the rest of the ride probably could use some use. And it's been, it already was refurbished in the last five or six years. So probably won't be again for a while. But the part of the ride that goes fast is cool. And then they have a kind of a similar ride set up at Cars Land in California. And I don't know if that's the same layout or anything. You always say, well, that's what I always can't understand. People say, Indiana Jones and Dinosaur are the same track layout. I say, what? I, my brain can't process that. But at Cars Land, they're the same ride vehicles. Um, so I don't understand, like, if there can be all these animatronic. I mean, Spaceship Earth still is animatronic heavy, and maybe the park can only handle one. Because it used to have all animatronic rides on that side of the park. Like, it had uh, Spaceship Earth, uh, Universe of Energy, which was some dinosaur animatronics. Horizons, which was animatronics, and World of Motion animatronics. Um, so, I don't know. And then again, like I say, it takes a lot of, I mean, the good thing is it kept a lot of people working, and I'm presuming they're at least decently paid jobs because there have been craftspeople and artisanal, like artist jobs. Uh, but, okay, so that, but for a kid, whatever, I wasn't a kid, I guess I was a kid, but I wasn't a little kid. I was just like, holy cow. So that's one reason I have nostalgia for this ride. The second one was because it was an Omnimover, I think like something like 3,000 people an hour could ride this ride. And because it was an Omnimover, it just constantly, even if the line was long, which will be a main part of why I'm talking about this, like it, that uh, the line was almost always moving unless the ride had to stop for a little while. It was always moving because people were always getting on and off because of the way the Omnimover attractions work. Like at the mansion of uh, Happy uh, uh, Big Farm Friends is an Omnimover attraction. So, yeah, like, so so when you're, so, okay, so those are a couple pieces of information. Another thing is, and I don't know which, if this is our first or second trip to Disney World as a family, but but it was a big deal. But, like, I was also a very independent person, and I had my brother and my sister that were two years younger than me. And I think on our first trip and maybe even our second trip, we also went with my cousins and my aunt and uncle. My cousin was the same age as me, and then I had a cousin slightly younger than me that was close to the same age as my sister. And we were old enough that we could go to a park as a family and then split up. Like, I think my father would give us whatever, 10 or 20 bucks for the day. And he'd say, okay, you have to feed yourself with this money. Those of us that were in, like, middle school and high school, which I guess is a little bit different nowadays, parenting. But also, I guess, like, when you only have, like, when you have six kids, you probably don't want to be around all your kids. uh, Because, especially me, I was angsty. Uh, but so we would split up and, and a lot of times I was ha- like, I really loved just like Ray talks about suspending my disbelief, like seeing how much, like, I remember waiting in the line by myself. Like I like to walk around by myself and I would like create these storylines in my head or I would go with the ride storyline. Like there was this one ride in Epcot that's gone now called Body Wars and I don't even remember, the queue kind of helped you suspend your disbelief, and I would just try to fully do it. Like, I would try to see how much how much I could convince myself uh, that I was in some, you, you know what I mean. I mean, that's why I make a silly podcast. So this, so the benefits of this World of Motion traction were, one, ahead animatronics that were cool. It was air-conditioned. There was long lines, but the lines were always moving. It had music, and, like, you constantly felt like if you were getting on a ride, you were winning. And at some point in these few family trips I made, I would also fall in love with the shows at Epcot. But I don't think I was there on this trip yet. Maybe I was. Uh, but so so those are some pieces of information. So at some point, I had already ridden this ride a few times, but I said, okay, I'm going to ride it again. And my family had gone to Epcot Center, and we had split up, uh, and I was by myself. And so I got on this, so I walked towards this big shiny wheel. And what you would do is you would walk towards it, and in the like there would be a cutout in the center of the wheel where the entrance was. And spiraling up uh, the entrance was uh, the Omnimover. It went, it went in a spiral around a mirrored column outdoors in and back into the building. It went from inside the building on the first floor and spiraled upwards into the second floor for the attraction. 
and uh, uh, the cars were blue. The building was red, and like the the thing that went up was 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 uh, blue too. And usually the line would be outside, and it was you'd go in on the left side of the building to get in, in line for the ride. But usually the line was long enough that it was going all the way outside. But like I said, it was always moving. So there's like a thing. You're like, oh, even if the line's long, you might as well get in it. And this was a different era when you just waited in line anyway. And you didn't even have a phone. I mean, like, that's why I was like, okay, I'm just going to try to suspend my disbelief here. So I waited in line. So you'd wait in line there. And what you would do is you'd uh, go into the building and there was a queue. There was a couple benches. It was pretty boring queue. Like queue. I think there may have been some uh murals it was another thing epcot and disney used to have going for them was these like amazing murals uh but they had like the song i think was playing over the loudspeakers uh which is it's fun to be free and i'll try to link to some of this in the show notes uh so you'd kind of, and it was like in a 70s, i don't know 80s type vibe of the music uh and kind of silly a little bit above, uh, a little bit different than the, the Disney anthems that are like, you know, that Simpsons have made fun of. Like, we're going to feel, you know, those kind of songs like uh, feels good to feel good or whatever you want to, you know. This was more campy in a good way versus trying to be like, like I don't know, like self-help a song or something that a lot of Disney stage shows have. Um, so it was fun, I guess, because it was fun to be free. That was the song. And then you would get on the attraction, like you'd go up a little bit of a ramp as you were queuing, and then you get on the Omnimover, and then the Omnimover would go up, and we'll go through that part of the ride in a second here. But you would eventually start to cycle up, and you would go outside, and you'd be spinning around, and of course you'd be looking at, I mean, I would be looking outside. And this is the main reason why I wanted to talk about this is like, so I was on the, I was in a car by myself, uh, and I was looking outside, and then right in line by himself was my brother Carl, like outside, like just waiting in line. And to this day, I mean, I guess more so now that I'm adult, like it's not as exciting. But like at the moment, I, I was like yelling. I couldn't believe that he was in line for a ride I was on for some reason, and that I just happened to see him, and. Uh, like, I don't know. And I mean, this was no cell phones or nothing. Um, so it was just like one of the coolest random moments. And I mean, the theme park is pretty big. So I guess like part of me is like, well, but then it's like, well, if you both started at point A, you may have ended up at point C together. And I'd say, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I also remember eating by myself, probably before I went on this ride, there was a restaurant called the Electric Umbrella. And I got some sort of Burger King chicken, the old school Burger King chicken sandwich, like something like that there. And I really liked it. And plus, it kind of felt like, for me, again, coming from a big family in Syracuse, New York, and, you know, my family, like, was pretty, like, uh, like we didn't, like, go, we didn't go out to eat a lot or anything. Eating at a fast food restaurant alone was like had this illicit thrill. And I think that was like part of the like just something about it. Like it didn't feel adult or wrong, but it just felt like fun to be free, I guess, in a different sense. But so I don't know, that's just one of my favorite memories of the park is of going to theme parks is just like looking out from that attraction and seeing my brother and just my mind being blown. And I guess, like, the sad part, you say, well, what's the sad part? I say, well, maybe that, uh, like, I was so independent that uh, we could have been sharing that moment together or something. Like, but that's, like, my internal critic saying that anyway. Uh, or saying, well, I wonder if I may have waited for him after the attraction because I was so excited. I may not have because it would have been a while. But that would have been fun, too, of, like, seeing if you wait for the person that you don't, you, what you don't find them. But it was also like you're trying to go on as many, like those horizons in world of motion. Like if I was at Epcot Center on those first two trips I had made, like I would have tried to ride those rides like as many times. Between those three rides, uh, Spaceship Earth, uh, Horizons, and uh, World of Motion, 
like usually because they had such high capacity, even if the lines were long, you could keep riding them. And then you felt like, uh, I don't know, you just felt a sense of accomplishment. And then there was like the sea cabs in, uh, what was it ever called? Sea base elf. I can't like the living seas was what it used to be called. Uh, but that one, I think you had to wait in line to get on the sea cabs. Uh, so that one was, uh, not as free flowing. And then living with the land, again, it was not as free flowing because that was a boat ride. And imagination one, that was an omnimover, but it always seemed like, it seems like we went on it a bunch, but not as many times. So that side of the park was just good for trying to re-ride as much, you know, just get your value. And you could just, you just see and notice more things. So, okay, so that's it. Uh, so, yeah, we, we're approaching, uh, let's close our eyes now, and you see this big circular steel uh, pavilion in future world, we've probably passed. Uh, there's a good set of restrooms on the way there. To your left, uh, I don't know where, I guess to your left in the past would have been Universe of Energy and Horizons, but I can't really remember. And then to your right would have been Wonders of Life, uh, maybe. Somewhere around there. But straight ahead is this big silver building. It has a sign out front that says World of Motion and a circular planter. And then there's the open part of the building where we see the ride circling up uh, to the top. Um, and the other signs that say GM's World of Motion. There's red walls and the blue track is circular. Cir Another thing that would have been good is that uh, the mirrors on the thing were good. I don't remember what this ride looked like at night. Uh, and then we see a line of people on the left getting ready to go on. But, man, is it moving smooth. Uh, as we proceed up the ramp, we're hearing music playing. It's fun to be free, man. It's fun to be free and free as a bird, uh, you know, to go anywhere and do all that stuff, man. It's fun to be free. And we're going up there, and we got one lat. There's metal. There's a couple white ben plastic benches that look high quality. Some of the queue is a rope on poles, and then some of it is that metal queue. Every once in a while, they say, "Please don't sit on the uh, queue." And uh, hopefully, this isn't a ride where I cut the line. Then we see these plastic Omnimover cars, gray seats, blue cars, or light blue seats. We climb in. There's two rows to a car, but it's basically a train anyway, so it doesn't really matter. And we get in, and they say, your, clothes, your vehicle's doors will close automatically. Please keep your hands and arms inside your vehicle and remain seated while traveling. Thank you. And we slowly circle up uh, to the left, uh, so a clockwise spiral up. We can see Spaceship Earth uh, uh, as we go, and then to the right we see uh, the um, Universe of Energy. Don't really know if Horizons is to the right, too. I can't really remember, but that wedge-shaped... Uh, Oh, we see, yeah, no, Horizons and Wonders of Life is to, like, our right as well. So I had thought there was something, or to our left, uh, we start to go up into this red building. And there's doors a bit like the stage. Uh, it looks a lot like the stage entrance, the beginning of Looney Tunes cartoon. That's another thing I always remember. Like, uh, so you, Looney Tunes always had this... Uh, thing that looked like a, a, a thing, I don't know, you know what I mean, or maybe don't, but you'll see. And then we hear ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and friends beyond the binary, welcome to the wonderful world of motion. General Motaz now invites you to travel the open road and to discover that when it comes to transportation, it's fun to be free, which is probably playing in the background now. 
And we go around the ramp still, and then we enter through the corridor that looks like the Looney Tunes, but it's only a distraction for me. Uh, as we leave Spaceship Earth and the rest of Future World behind, uh, we hear me say, Throughout the ages, we've searched for the freedom to move from one place of the other to the other. In the beginning, of course, there was foot power, but with our first wandering steps, we quickly, quickly discovered the need to improve our basic transportation. And as we go into the building, we see, the first thing we see, which was really cool, was like these stone walls. Like you say, oh boy, this is like where you'd find some cave paintings. And that's like, a, you figure, wow, that's, they made that, whatever they did. They made that archetypal, and but then there's glow up uh, foot footsteps, bare feet walking. That kind of goes with that uh, the narration that's going to come up. Uh, and we hear throughout the ages, we have searched for the freedom to move from one place to another. In the beginning, of course, there was foot power. But with our first wandering steps, we quickly discovered the need to improve our basic transportation. And we see a couple of uh, people that look like they lived uh, thousands of years ago, early humans. uh, One of the humans is like he has hot feet from walking, so he's blowing on his feet to cool them down. Maybe they're, like I said, were you guys at a Disney water park or something? Because uh, that's what happens to my feet at, like, a pool or a hot beach. And the other one, the other early human is, like, waving his hand over his hot feet with a fan, maybe a leaf, uh, trying to cool it down. Uh, and uh, we also hear other things, you know, sound effects. Also, you say, like, when you look... Uh, at the one blowing his feet, you say, wow, uh, he has a haircut a bit like mine, but he has, like, his eyes are open, his cheeks are actually puffing, and, like, even red from blowing, his feet are red, and he has, like, big, wide eyes, like you'd, you would do if you were blowing on your feet, uh, which, again, is, a, it's, like, cartoonish, uh... But I don't know. Again, you see, wow, they don't have it. I've never seen anything like this before where I come from. And then the narrator says, after years of stumbling around, we launch a new idea, our first safe highway, water. And then this was another way they really had success. And now it seems like theme parks will lean too heavily on it. Because it's not, it's like a projection, but it doesn't look like it's projected on a screen. It's like a... Like this back then, like dark rides were dark, like meaning if in the ideal situation, they were so dark, you couldn't see between the scenes, like the transitions were darkness to light. And I'm sure that was to hide stuff they didn't want you to see. But then it was also it, like it was dis- like in a way of like suspension of disbelief. Uh, it was cool because you were constantly being told where to look. You say, okay, don't look in the darkness. You're looking towards what we want you to look at in the light. And sometimes the car would turn that way or the track would. But it was also just weird because it wasn't like uh, you pull up to a screen and you're supposed to watch it and you watch some action unfold and then you go to another screen. You were constantly in motion, so your view was changing and so we see like what seems like a projection, but it's n- like it looks like uh, mobiles, actually. Maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't projection because they're all moving. And there's like a, sh- like a canoe, a raft, a sailing boat, uh, a couple other things. Let me see on the video here. Uh, a couple different types of boats. Then we see actually a big... We see, then we see, like, we go into a set now. So we go from the projection to a set where someone's sleeping on a raft, uh, and they're about to get a surprise, uh, uh, from a forest friend. We see, holy moly. And then we go to our next scene, um, after, oh, wait, uh, on land, our animal friends give us new, uh, freedom, and we test drive many new models. And so we see, uh, 
This is so that scene was on our left. This is on our right. Uh, there's a toll booth uh, with there's a, a a person riding like in a kind of a house on an elephant, and then someone actually like controlling the elephant. Uh, like these are full size animatronics. Uh, then there's a person on a bull. Uh, and the bull seems displeasured with uh, being like the bull's supposed to be pulling a sled. Uh, and I don't know if the bull was steaming. There's someone like totally chilling on a camel, like kicked back because they're waiting. Someone on an ostrich. There's actually like someone with a m- magic globe on a um, flying carpet. There's someone trying to get a zebra to move. Yeah, but the zebra's like, I'm not going anywhere. Please don't tell me. Uh, uh, then there's someone like on a, um, a mule or a burrow or something, and they're all waiting in line to pay the toll for the toll bridge. And again, this is all full size. Uh, I, like, I don't know. It's so funny because it's like an ostrich, like in a thing. Um, I don't know. So many little jokes hidden in there. And like so much, like a little motion, like uh, of the animals breathing or the zebra sticking its tongue out. And it's all underscored by the, uh, the song fun to be free. And then a revolutionary turn of events, the wheel. Now things really get rolling. It's fun to be free. And it goes from just the music to someone singing. It's fun to be free. And then we see three inventors with spinning wheels, like uh, one's like a triangle, one's like a hexagon, and uh, one like might be a square. They're all spinning, but they're kind of being, they're saying, this is not working, man. Uh, like, this is just not going to work. Uh, and they all have their heads kind of hung down, like their designs have been rejected. But then there's someone with a round wheel facing like a throne. And uh, like there's like someone on the throne laughing hysterically while somebody else is like, uh, like in the, here's the thing. Like, so the wheel is actually the inventor's actually barely rolling the wheel. And that's like the, the PAs, the resistance, like uh, that it's like the wheel is like sitting up and it's wooden. And the inventor's just barely rolling it. Like, see see how this is going to work? Uh, just a subtle motion. And then the king laughing hysterically is just funny because it's like uh, kind of rando. And uh, let's see. Then we go, like, there's all these, like, weird wheel effects, uh, like, as, as a transition, like, projected wheels spinning around, like, all sorts of spacey, spacey stuff here. Uh, and then with our newfound freedom, empires expand, cultures flourish, trade and commerce grow. You say, well, really, like, uh, it's only, only a colonist could have written that. But, uh, but we do see uh, a chariot being pulled by a horse uh, with, uh, like, someone on it, uh, and they're ready for action. Uh, then we see uh, a... Uh, a man uh, being pushed in a cart with an, another person pushing the cart, like holding it up uh, and running along. Uh, then we get to like what looks like a temple and there's vases that have ant- like, so this is where it's like really cool. Like, so there's vases like uh, Rome, Roman, Gre- Greco-Roman style painted vases, but the vases have projections on them. Like one's a horse running, and then the other is a uh, uh, one of those half like a centaur, a half man, half horse, uh, and on the the vase. But then we see in person there's one, uh, and like a woman is like uh, like uh, like she she's like in charge of him, and she like she seems to be like okay like uh, uh, she she's like kind of blushing. 
And I was like, how's subtext? Like, what is going on here? Then we see all these used chariots that are for sale. We're at like a used car lot, but it's a used chariot lot. And you can see there's prices that are discounted. And then we see all these people like it's just on sale. And then we see like a salesperson making a deal, like a couple of people like getting sold chariots. Uh, and it's kind of comical and they use yeah, Roman numerals. And then there's like this one really expensive chariot up top uh, that seems to be for sale. Uh, uh, like I say, uh, and they say, yes, yeah, so let me your ears. This is a Colossus bargain, just like new. Beauteous Maximus, loaded with extras, power, reins, marble floorboards, four speeds, suitable for the throne of Venus. Fly on the wings of Mercury, all pass anything on the Appian Way. This Colosseum cruiser is fit for the gods, truly glorious. Caesar's wife had one. This one was written, driven by Caesar himself. Uh, and then we start to transition on the left to a new scene. With proud new ships, we sail for, for, forth in search of worlds, undaunted by age-old myths, myths and silly superstitions. And we see a like another cool, like a dark ride, like a map, a projection, and again, like the so the um, which projected on is also a part of the set, and it looks like scrolls. And so it's made to look like a map that's come to life. And it's like uh, this old map uh, where, you know, the end of the world, like the wind would blow from a god and the god's blowing the ship off the edge of the earth. And then we see like a a, friend, a water friend, like uh, you say, hey, I'm a water buddy. I'm not like, uh, but then it's on the map. Then you see it in person and it's a bit like a puffed magic dragon. And it's looking and it has its eye open and then we see a sailor, like, looking through a um, looking glass, uh, and it's looking right into the eye of the, um, like, and the sailor's on a ship, again, a set piece, and then, um, like, uh, like looking into the eye of the our, our, uh, our water buddy. And apparently this is Columbus, according to this uh and uh, the then we go to the age of Renaissance, where great minds are turning from works of art to flights of fancy. And we're at Da Vinci's workshop, and they actually have this like Mona Lisa that uh, I don't know if it's lit or projected, that like an actual animatronic like posing, and like waiting for like a Da Vinci, there's like a projected windows or scene painted perspective windows of like countryside, like so just a level of detail. Again, you say, okay, wait a second, a little Scoots might have had a point here. Like there's again a good way. Like there's too many things for your eye to take in, so it does become very. Uh, it gives you a sense of place. Uh, and I guess you can see when you're trying to just return value on stock, you might say, well, we don't need those windows. Uh, uh, but so um, she's waiting. She she looks cool just the way she's lit. She's lit to look like hyper real like and like Mona Lisa. But the thing is, it looks like Mona Lisa, but like in 3D. And we have her paint. Then I have a painting of her, like to reinforce that that's not finished. And Da Vinci's working on like an Icarus rig, and like like there's a man up there, like with his Icarus rig, saying and like, uh, and I think there's even pigeons. Is that what this says? Uh, so I don't know. Like just multiple levels. Oh yeah, there's a couple pigeons. It is like I can't tell again if the windows are projected or just like uh, like again another set, but so well done. So they're trying to get Icarus off the ground, and Da Vinci's making notes. Uh, then we go. We see a couple other like flying contraption mobiles, uh, like balloons and type and stuff. People are imagining like that changes the scene. Then we see someone in. Uh, 
kind of like a one of those wigs that the upper class just in London would wear, and they're in a balloon, but they're with their farm friends. Uh, so they're in a balloon with like a goat and a pig, and uh, uh, like uh, say interesting, uh, and uh, maybe even a chicken. So just comedic, I guess. Uh, but again, full size, full size balloon. And everything had motion, so it just looked cool. And then we go from hot air to the power of steam. Now nothing stands in the way of progress on the open road. And we approach a steam-powered carriage. Uh, we see it on the right. like It looks like a horse-drawn carriage, but it's a steam-drawn one. And it's been bumped by a bull that's like saying, hey, uh, like the bull says, this is my territory, buddy. And the bull has steam coming out its nose. And it's even lifting the carriage up. The wheels are moving. The people in the carriage are moving. Uh, there's like the carriage driver. There's the carriage, you know, the carriage backup. Uh, so just like you're like, holy moly, man. Uh, and they said, the passengers say, Hark, what goes on? Why are we stopping? I should have ridden me horse. Uh, be gone, bull. Move to yon posture. You are bullheaded beast. Be gone. And then it goes, the great boilers of steam change our sails to paddle wheels. And then we see like a paddle boat. And it has a, a, a couple dancing in the window with that, you know, those dancing, spinning shadow effects, other shadow effects in the windows. It's night. So it looks really cool. Uh, and uh, there's a man and a, don don a man trying to load the ship with a donkey who's not listening. So again, kind of showing, uh, maybe it's like GM saying, see, trust a machine. Animals can't be trusted to work with you. Uh, uh, I don't know if that was like a subtle message, uh, but they're trying to roll. We, we see the paddle wheel and, uh, yeah, he's saying, come on, man. Then we see a boy watching the ships go by, like, uh, from a high thing, just chilling, uh, saying, Hey, that's cool. And it maybe a couple of, oh, there's like a, like a couple more, uh, forest friends looking on, or maybe they're pulling another wagon. Oh yeah. There's a wagon with a band. So I guess they're playing backup music for, for the thing. Uh, and there's a dog beyond the Mississippi passengers. Enjoy the scenic West with the freedom and adventure of the open road. Uh, then another kind of horse arrives, a steam-powered iron horse, bringing fast, dependable, safe travel to a new frontier. And then we see comedic level here, like there's a like a steam train locomotive uh, that's been stopped. And people are saying, hey, we're here, we're stopping the train for our donations. Uh, it looks like they caused like a rock on the, that caused the train to slow down. They say, have you ever played that game Red Red Redeemer 2 on the Xbox or a PlayStation? And there's other people and passengers and they're saying, hey, just make your donations. And they're all really well-dressed, very, uh, and there's even some Pirate of the Caribbean effects where they say, hey, I'm going to spit, like, watch me spit on that sign. It'll be like a spittoon and it'll make a batoom sound, uh. And so they're going around taking donations. They're saying, hey, come on. This is called passing the hat. Drop it in the hat, mister. Come on, come on. Hold her steady, Grandpa. Uh, hold that box steady. So the narrator is kind of blissfully aware of all this. This says, and ah, the peaceful countryside. What a romantic, what more romantic way to enjoy it when that infallible combination of person and machine the bicycle and then it's like peaceful countryside and we see a person riding a tricycle but it went in the mud and he's a dog's trying to say hey let me uh, play with you and he's trying to climb a tree oh no that was one person he tried to climb a tree where a dog was trying to play then another one crashed his bike into a mud bog with two pigs 
and uh, another one, a woman's like laughing at him uh, while he's there, like they were on a date or something, and she's like, you fell in the mud. Looks a little bit like Samuel M. Clemens, a person's dressed like that. And the pig kind of looks like the pigs are like kind of laughing or like almost like going to kiss him or something. And then we see other bikes rolling by, like again on a projection screen, just to give us another layer of motion. Uh, and we see somebody riding like a big uh, unicycle, tipping their hat. Uh, uh, the call of the open road brings us a new wonder, a carriage without a horse. Yes, the horseless carriage we thunder full speed into the 20th century. And we see the turn of the century, we see a garage where someone's working on an engine on kind of an old-fashioned car. And uh, there's again motion in the engine. There's windows with lighting. I think the sun's setting. Then we see like a deliver, like a delivery vehicle, and we start to see this scene. Uh, like, uh, oh, we see somebody with a convertible. I don't remember that part. Uh, uh, going up and down, like a man and a horse are watching, and then we see a scene behind them. Oh yeah, he's cranking it like some dude with a hat, a bright blue car. And he's demonstrating how a convertible works uh, uh, on a horseless carriage. So I didn't even know they had convertibles back then. And we see a busy street, like uh, a projection. This one is a movie projection, though, like uh, a black and white uh, silent movie with uh, trolleys and horse-drawn vehicles and motorized cars. And, uh, tro- like, uh, tra- you know, streetcars and everything. And then we get to, like, this big traffic jam. This is, like, the big set piece of this ride. There's kids on bikes, uh, and then there's cars, a big mess, like, uh, spilled stuff, uh, a lady waving her umbrella with a big flowered hat. She's in a car with somebody and a dog. Uh, Seems like it's in London. There's, like, a double-decker bus. There's a horse that's misbehaving. That's what's causing the traffic jam, not the cars, just so you know. And there's somebody even like, like it looks like there was like uh, the the horse caused like a like a dumping of um, fruits and vegetables and chickens. All, almost all the chickens are moving, which is just impressive. There's somebody with uh, looking out of the sewer with uh, fruits and vegetables on their head. Looks like they just woke up or something. There's a horse pulling, like refusing to listen. There's people on the double-decker old-fashioned bus. There's an ice delivery truck. Uh, Let's see what else. Uh, Yeah, yeah, we got people like uh, somebody's writing a ticket. Uh, Oh, one of the boys is in a wagon. Uh, there's a red convertible. Oh, there's kids t- were taking ice off of the back of the ice truck, which is cute. Uh, um, people are like looking off the bus. Uh, there's somebody ringing a bell. Uh, the driver of the ice truck is hon- honking his horn. Everybody's kind of shaking their head. And uh, then there's a carriage with a horse who's like, what do you want me to do? And they say stuff like, move that hay. We don't have time for horseplay. Do something with that relic. Uh, Come on, let's get going. And then we invent the Sunday drive. Now we can get away from it all to the beautiful, carefree countryside. And we see a a couple having a picnic. uh, And again, the songs are playing. this guy's playing a banjo, and we start to get some more projections of uh, hills and bridges and plains. Uh, and then we see a project, like, uh, then there's like a family watching an air show, and there starts to be more and more signs. There's a billboard that says air show coming soon. Let's see, April 30th, County Fairground, 25 cents. Uh, and this is like one of those billboards where the cop hides behind it on a motorcycle which is running. We hear that effect. Uh, 
Uh, dashing heroes of the wild blue yonder. Now the sky's the limit. And we see more and more cars watching the air show. Some people have like binoculars. And we see plane, uh, the projections of planes doing stunts. Then uh, there's even an actual plane on the ground. Uh, there's a boy playing along. And then we have a pilot and uh, somebody else posing for a picture in front of a, a real biplane. And somebody taking their picture. And then we go to mobility is the byword of modern transportation, a way to move from here to there and for every need and every care. And it really is fun to be free. And we pass like a couple of generations of vehicles, like the 1930s and 1940s and 1950s. They're kind of going alongside us with projections behind them to give them motion. There's also like these weird... Uh, uh, the projections are on against like on magazine covers, and one is college humor, which I thought was funny. Because uh, that's a, like a, yeah, and a popular. But yeah, there's like a dancing seaplanes, bicycles in water, car ads, highways, rockets, uh, man on the moon. One of the cars is like a just married just car. Another one is like a college students uh, uh then the last car is like a station wagon full of little leaguers uh with a pen in and stuff like that oh no and then there's one more car and a family headed out on vacation uh with all their luggage and their dog and everybody looks happy i don't know if they're going to or from disney world or somewhere else uh, there's a very red chromy car and that's where we see kind of the most free, fun to be free. Like people are surfing and we see modern, most modern highways. Even this car is probably like a 60s or a 70s car maybe. And then we go into um, uh, like uh, these like trippy rooms. I don't know how else to call them. Like uh, where there's projection effects that kind of give you motion. Like you're kind of going in a bobsled and they would kind of work. I remember really digging the bobsled one. There's also uh, whitewater rafting. Like, so you're in these big domed rooms. I think you go to three of them. Uh, then there's, like, you feel like you're under the ocean. Uh, bobsled, whitewater rafting, under the ocean. Uh, running through the forest or maybe going on a... Uh, four sign, and then like one from like uh, a movie where it's like a vortex, uh, space vortex, or something. And that one starts to spin, which of course gives you that cool effect, like where you really do. Then there's like a star spinner vortex. Then it gets even trippier, like lights passing you, like you're in, you know, you're going at like light speed or something. You say, man, when's Pink Floyd come on, man? This is rad, man. You could do this all day long. What the ride? And I think if the ride, well, if the ride stopped moving, it might not be as cool because the motion adds to the effects. Then another star type tunnel, uh, and then again the vortex. So, so I guess like maybe there's three rooms with different loops. Uh, and let's see after we exit that. Uh, what do we got here? Skiing, uh, coral reef, uh, swirling stuff, cyclone of clouds, uh, outer space. Uh, and then we go into like this weird, another room. Oh, wait, there's like a pix. Oh, there's like a fractal room. That's what it's in now. Like something out of Tron and fractals. Uh, yeah, wow, man. That's rad. Uh, very fractal, like, I don't know, remember when fractals were a thing? And some helixes and some uh, floating question mark. So some of the state-of-the-art computer images that now, I don't know what it would be like to see them now, but uh, they look pretty cool. Uh, like, kind of like, one of the scenes looks like what, like one of the movie theaters used up until a few years ago at the start of their movie. I don't know if it was Cinemark or uh, wasn't. I don't think it was AMC. Uh, maybe I don't know, but uh, 
then you go out of that room and I guess you go again because it's so dark and stuff. Uh, you go into the, like the, you start to circle this like giant open space uh, with a circle like a like kind of a neon or glow in the dark city. Yeah, that kind of looks like it's called Center Core uh, because it was in the center, or the core of the building. But it's like uh, it's got lights that are moving, black light stuff. Oh, and then our uh, narrator comes back. Yes, our world has indeed become a world of motion. We have engineered marvels that take us swiftly over land and sea, through the air and into space itself, and still bolder and better ideas are yet to come, ideas that will fulfill our age-old dream to be free, free in mind, free in spirit, free to follow the distant star to a brighter tomorrow. And uh, then we pass out of the city, which looks cool, into a dark tunnel. And then we get the like effect from like the other ride, like the other ride, uh, the um, you know, the big farm friends. But you go into a dark room, and then some lights start to move quickly, and then you see yourself like your car change into like a modern looking car that you're in, and it's a really good effect, uh, even on the video. But like remembering it. Because instead of, like, putting someone in your car, it, like, makes it look like you're inside of a car. It just was a really cool effect. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary, the General Motaz uh, now invites you to share the challenge of the future. We need, and I also have a GM car, the Volt, so I can say this kind of stuff because uh, I paid for I bought it, so... Uh, four years ago, well, I leased it, and then I bought out my lease because I love the car so much. Uh, though they stopped making it, but all of 2020, I, don't, I think I only bought gas once because it's electric for 60 miles, and then it has a gas uh, generator. We need you to help us shape tomorrow's mobility. Just ahead is General Motors' exciting Trans Center. Join us uh, behind the scenes. We're working. To ensure tomorrow's world will continue to be a world of motion. Your vehicle doors will slide open automatically. Please collect your belongings and step out to the right. Uh, the platform and your vehicle are traveling at the same speed. And then you step off the ride and you head out uh, and you can explore the other stuff there. Or you can watch Martin's video. It has all that stuff and all the history. Or you could check out something else. Uh, good night, everybody.